Today's reading comes from Malachi, chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. And I'm reading from the NIV 2011 version. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. It is so lovely to be with you all this morning. I um, have been looking forward to coming and uh, bringing this word to you. Uh, before I say anything else, I'd like you to introduce you to my family because this morning we will be talking about family. So I'd like to introduce you to my family. They are... Um, oh, there they are there. Uh, so... We have uh, a 23-year-old son. I had to change up my photo. I used to use a photo that was uh, just a couple of years old, but then my son grew this incredible beard, so I thought I could only do him justice to uh, give you a photo that included a beard uh, on my son. So he's 23. My daughter's 21 with her fiancé there. They're getting married in just six short weeks. Uh, then we have a 16-year-old, Millie, um, about to be 17, I can't believe that. She's about to get her licence, do all those sorts of things. And, of course, I'm married to my wonderful husband, Glenn. And speaking of marriages, we did the marriage course last year. My husband wouldn't mind me saying this. He is not a very public person. He likes uh, to be very private. He's an uh, introvert. I'm an extrovert. We're kind of the opposites in every single way. But we did um, this marriage course last year and it was absolutely brilliant. And it really revealed to me just what a huge blessing uh, it can be because essentially we were in our lounge room just being together and just talking and it gave us such an intentional time to invest in each other. So I do encourage you uh, to do the marriage course um, it's free, it's in your home, you don't have to provide a babysitter, like all of the things that could stop you from doing it. And also, I just want to let you know as well that if you're a shift worker or if Wednesday nights don't work for you, just sign up anyway because we can work around all of those things. So there are literally no barriers, but um, I do encourage you, and thanks, Charlie, so much for spruiking that. <laughs> so whether you're online or here this morning, I do encourage you uh, to invest in your marriage and to do this marriage course. My, my parents did it. They've been married a long time, and they found it fantastic as well. So... Uh, that'll be enough of me spruiking the marriage course. Um, I'd like to pray before we start this morning. Why don't you join me? Lord, I thank you so much for the people that are gathered here and online this morning. I thank you for your church here at Sunnybank District, and I thank you, God, for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, I, I thank you that even in this crazy couple of weeks with mask wearing, with uh, restrictions... Lord, I pray that you would bless your church. Lord, I pray that as a church we would still feel your unity. 
We would uh, feel your love wherever we are this morning, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that my words this morning would be a blessing uh, to everybody here. Lord, use my words. Speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So, heart connection. Uh, It has been a joy uh, to be with uh, your children on a Sunday morning down in uh, the uh, kids' programs. Uh, I'd just like to say that you are truly, truly blessed, amazing leaders that invest in in the children here at Sunnybank. But this is not the primary space for uh, discipleship to happen for children. And we're going to explore that a little bit more. But as I explore that as well, I do want to acknowledge that nothing I say this morning is a secret formula. There are no guarantees. And I do recognise that there is heartache when children walk away from God. But we continue to pray that God will be with them and bless them and draw them back. And the things that children learn in their early years certainly make a large difference throughout their life. Um, If you are here this morning as a parent or a grandparent, an uncle or an auntie, uh, these things also uh, are relevant for you. So don't just switch off now because we're talking about parents. Um, Grandparents, you have an incredible legacy uh, that you can uh, instil in your children. So I encourage you all. Connection in the heart of our children is literally the final words in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 is the final chapter of the Old Testament before God is silent for 400 years. It had been over a thousand years since Abraham and even then, even with all of that perspective, all of that understanding of what God had done for their nation, the book of Malachi teaches us that God's people, the Israelites, still strayed and they still needed God's assurance of his love. They needed God's intervention as much as ever. So this book, as a final statement of judgment in the Old Testament, anticipates God saving them through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So what is it that God promises will happen through the coming of Jesus? The very last verses of the Old uh, Testament says, He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the children to their parents. This whole book is about reassuring the Israelites of God's love for them. And then at the very end, his, order, his, his desire for them to thrive is expressed through his continued relationship with him. The children and the parents have to have their hearts turned to each other. And the theme of this book is God's whole heart and his desire for them to know of his love and to live in relationship with them, but then to point that love to our children. They're his final words and then silence for 400 years. You know, this is the same scenario that the Israelites had faced before. It is very similar. Years earlier, they had been wandering in the desert. God had been with, with them clearly for the 40 years that they were wandering. There had been evidence of God absolutely every single day. 
The cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire in the cloud at night. Imagine seeing the presence of God every single day as a reminder that God was with you. You know, just before they were about to cross the River Jordan, God gives them instructions once again. And he reminds them of, uh, to love him and to reach the hearts of their children. I'm going to read this morning from Deuteronomy 6. So if you have your Bibles here, turn to Deuteronomy 6 and starting from verse 1. These are the commands, decrees and the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. God is saying here that when you live your life close to him, he knows us, he loves us, we will enjoy long life together. In verse 3, it says, Hear, O Israel, be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly. In the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Again, walk closely to God and it will go well with you. Relationship with God is the most important part of our life. This next passage is very special. It is called the Shema and it is taken from the word hear. Shema means hear. Listen to this, my people. This is important information. God is saying, I need you to pay attention to this. The modern Jews actually consider this passage here one of the most significant passages and they literally uh, recite the Shema every morning and every evening, and it's one of their most sacred duties that they still continue to this day. They learn it from a young age. The first line of the Shema, if uh, you're looking, kids, on the screen, you can see that this is the Shema. It's actually written in Hebrew, and you actually, instead of starting from the left to the right, you read it from the right to the left. So I have it here on the screen so that you can see. If you look uh, to the very right of the screen, you can see a little symbol that is almost like our W. When the Jewish people say this, they literally do this and they put a little W on their um, face here to remind them that what they're doing right now is to listen and to hear from God. Yeah, so they will say this throughout their day. They will say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. They actually sing this. It's beautiful. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This can be read that our Lord God is the one Lord. There is one God. So pay attention. Listen to this. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. This passage here is one of the key themes in the entire Bible. It is not just relevant uh, to the Old Testament. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus declared, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Mark 12, 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Mark 12, 33, and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. Luke, love the Lord your God with, um, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Over and over and over, the Bible says, this is it. Love God. Take that love and use that love then to love others. He wants relationship with us. He loves us and he wants us to love him back. So what does he want us to do with that love? Let us continue in Deuteronomy 6. In verse 7, it says, Impress these things on your children. God's plan for generation after generation is for parents to impress their faith onto their children impress this love that we have for God. You know, I think we are almost, it feels like we're on the brink of a new era in 2021. Uh, if we look at the world, there is a lot of evidence of God's work, but there is definitely a war going on. There is a spiritual battle happening in our nation and around the world for the hearts of our children. And teaching our children about God takes so much in our current environment of greater Christian uh, hostility towards Christianity. Our culture is now becoming so removed from Christianity that it is actually countercultural to be a Christian in Australia. And our statistics are actually showing that 50% of our young people are leaving our churches. These statistics are horrendous, but we know that we are not alone because God does not expect us to do this by ourselves. Even the Israelites, before they were about to cross the River Jordan, they were facing similar things. They were about to be exposed to the most depraved and immoral, wicked practices. It was commonplace for people to worship all kinds of spirits and different gods. They were heading into a culture that was completely different to the set of values, laws and worldviews that they had had. The Israelites had been isolated for 40 years. So the 40-year-olds had never been exposed to this kind of wickedness. They had endeavoured to live by the Ten Commandments. They strove for order in their life and they aimed for their lives to be uh, honourable in the sight of God. Above everything, they were in relationship with God. So even though they were about to step away from this isolated time with God, he had a plan for them. He had a simple strategy for the Israelites and their young people and it was this, firstly, love him. 
in your actions and in your deeds. Make this a priority in your life and demonstrate this love so that your children know what it looks like to love God. And then simply, the next part of the strategy is to talk. Verse 7 continues with, Talk about me when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God has a simple plan where he takes four times, he, he takes four times throughout our everyday life that, with our, that when, when we are with our children and he says to intentionally use these times to point to him. So we're just going to break down those times here this morning. First of all, along the road. Sit at home. Uh, when you're walking along the road, uh, you can talk with your children. Uh, this is a time, I would say, back uh, in the Israelites, uh, back in what, when they were walking along the road, that was their option. They would walk along the road. But for us, in our society, we are in the car on the road. And often in families, we're on the car, in the car a lot. So even if you are a grandparent here and you might do some of the driving, this uh, example is for you as well. You are often in the car for all kinds of activities. It might be going to school, it might be sport or parties or going for a drive. This is when God says you can use your time to talk with your children. It might be an opportunity for them to share their worries. It might be an opportunity to ask questions. It might be an opportunity for you to share the wonder of God in your day so far. You might notice his creation. You might say to your children, what are you wondering about at the moment? This is a fantastic opportunity. And can I encourage you, if, you're, if you still have children who are young enough and teenagers, make this an opportunity where they don't have earbuds in, where they're not listening to music, where you are journeying together. Use this time uh, for connection. Use these special opportunities. The second time is when you lie down. Bedtime is a simple and very special time for connection that actually scientifically it has been proven that the connection between parents and their children before bed is one of the strongest connection throughout the course of the day. So we're not surprised by that because that's one of the times that God has mentioned to use. So use this time intentionally to engage with our children. It's a time that we can learn from God, we can pray with our kids, we can read the Bible. Uh, it's a time that is often more relaxed. There's nowhere to go other than to get into bed. But if it is created as a part of the rhythm of your day, it can become a special time. No matter what our age of our kids are, I encourage you to engage with them at night before they go to bed. Thirdly, when you get up, now, this is hilarious, this um, slide here. My family never really looks like this. Some of the families represented in this room may look like this. You may be all orderly in the mornings, all sitting around, doing breakfast. Um, everyone's happy in this photo. 
People aren't really happy at breakfast time in my house. <laughs> They're happy after they've eaten. But it is usually a little bit more chaotic than this in the mornings. We are scrambling and trying to get ourselves ready for the day. But no matter what happens, we are able to do something in this space. And uh, for us in our family, we uh, have just got into a habit that when any, anybody leaves the house now, even as young adults, we can say to them, go shine Jesus' light today. Go bless others. Just a simple word so that they know their mission for the day. Other families who have less chaotic spaces, they might be able to sit around and they might be able to pray for each other in that moment or open the word uh, all of these opportunities are available to us uh, depending on the style of your family. The next one is to tie them as symbols on your hands and foreheads. Here God is saying that when you have opportunities, take them up. I don't think it is literally asking us to tie them on foreheads and uh, around our hands. The image here will show what that actually looks like. But God actually says they are, tie them as symbols. They are symbols for us. And so he uh, is saying to keep him front of mind. Keep him uh, at the forefront of your conversations so that when an opportunity comes up, you can use that opportunity to speak into the heart and mind of your children. You will see there that there's ha they've literally bound the hands there as a reminder of God's love. Uh, the Jewish people continue to do this during uh, uh, down to this day and, and age. Uh, but God is just saying, when you're working with your hands and you're with your children, remember him. Use these opportunities. There's actually a moment that the Greeks called a kairos moment. Kairos moments are when the Holy Spirit is present and moving in a person, a situation or group, to accomplish some specific work for the advancement of the kingdom. You know, Kairos moments don't sit within time. They are outside time. Kairos moments are those opportunities where a child may ask a question, where something may have happened in a family, and we can take that moment of curiosity, of wonder, of questioning, and we can engage with our children in those times. And if we think back ourselves on our lives and different conversations that we have had with people, there are moments where we just kind of go, there, there are aha moments, those moments where we think, oh, my goodness, it's all, I get it. I understand it. God touches our heart with extra understanding. He reveals something to you and he touches your soul. And as parents, there are these times all throughout the day. 
Sometimes it's when God touches our soul and prompts us in our parenting that may be a time that he will come down and touch the hearts of our children. Sometimes these moments don't happen in conversation with our children. Sometimes they happen in a response to us seeking after God, seeking for his wisdom because we're a bit lost in what to do next in our parenting. But God will just prompt us with an idea if we seek after him. It doesn't matter if we're sharing the love of God when we're on the road, before we lie down, before we get up or in one of these kairos moments. They all require one thing and that is intentionality. So whether we're a parent, a grandparent, uncle or auntie, if you come across these opportunities, God is saying, use them. Use these opportunities because we definitely live in a world that tries to distract us. Whether it is busyness and we're fatigued, whether it is our phones that we just can't seem to put down, whether it's the TV or a, a worry, a stress that is distracting us, we need to be intentional to lead our children and to teach them. We're all given different opportunities and we need to be aware of them when they happen to take those opportunities. You know, our lives in 2021 are really hectic and very busy. And for most parents in 2021, we will delegate our responsibilities to others. We send our children to school for their education. We send them to different sports events for coaching. And we even would send them to swimming lessons to teach them how to swim. These are really different ideas. I never went to swimming lessons. I just remember Dad kind of throwing me in the pool and um, being close by, and eventually I learned how to swim. But we have been delegating out these responsibilities. But I say to you this morning that the responsibility for the faith formation of our children can't be delegated out. You have your child's heart. As parents, there is a connection that God has deliberately made between parent and child. You have their hearts. And so you need to tell your children your stories, your connection. They hold such a depth when you share about God because you have that connection, just like the Israelites had that connection with the stories that went before them, you have that connection. So your stories are important. You know, uh, eight years ago now, our family moved from Victoria and we, uh, my husband applied for a job quite randomly, but he had a month to move. So this wasn't a very uh, highly anticipated move. We didn't have much planning in it and we just had a month to move to a place that we'd never even been to, didn't even know Brisbane at all. And God in that time, in that month, was so faithful to our family. We uh, ended up uh, finding a school. We found out from a sister-in-law that lives up here uh, the name of a great school. 
And so we go online, we see this school and we uh, show our children and we go, what do you think about this school? What do you think about going here? And my daughter, who was in grade six, now she was the one we were worried about. She had all of the close friends. She was like, who wants to move their uh, daughter in grade six? Anyway, she saw... Uh, the hats that they wore at this school. And at the time, she was writing to Mallory Towers books and she went, that's the same hat that's on the front cover of this Mallory Towers book. I'm going to go, yes, let's go to that school. That'll just be like, be like Mallory Towers. Didn't quite work out like that for her, but <laughs> um, we go, fantastic. So the next day, I get on the phone, I ring the school, I go, hey, we're moving up, we'd like to enrol our children into uh, your school. And they say, yeah, that's absolutely fine, uh, you've got to pay a couple of hundred dollars per child, but I'll send out the applications. And uh, just so that you're, you're aware, there's a three-year wait. I was like, oh my gosh, in Little Ballarat, there's no three-year wait for anything, <laughs> you know, the schools are waiting for you to come. So that was a stumbling block. We were just like, what? Is, oh, dear. So we just went, well, that's not supposed to be. We go then to our kids' school to tell them um, that uh, they were leaving. And we went to ask, do you know of any school? Is there any school that we could send our children to? I get home from that interview and I get a phone call back from this original school. And they said, hey, look, are you still wanting to apply because we haven't received your application form, but uh, just letting you know your principal's rung. And spoken to our principal out of this tiny school in Ballarat, and your kids are in. They're in. And we're just like, what? So I can't tell that story. I'm not going to say what school we go, our kids go to because that would be bad for all those other kids that are on that waiting list. But God followed through with us and saw us through with that. We didn't have a lot of money. We needed to make the move. And I, the first removalist that we rang said, I've got a backload. Would you like to take advantage of the backload? It's two days after when you would want to act, when you, with the date that you've said, but I can give you this move to Queensland for $2,500. Okay, we'll do that, God. Let's do that. My son broke his arm at our uh, life group breakup, and he then proceeded to travel the way in the car with the menagerie of pets with my husband, all the way for uh, three days up to Brisbane, no pain. A couple of days later, he goes, oh, my arm's a bit sore, Mum. And I go, oh, is it from when you fell off that motorbike back a week ago? We take him to the hospital. He had a broken arm, no pain for that whole week. We... Um, we walked to our rented accommodation. We, went, we came up for one day to try and find a home. And we go through six houses. None of them are suitable at all, except for the last one that we are late for. So we go in, we're like, the, the, the agent is there ready to close up. And we go there and we go, perfect, this house will be absolutely exactly what we need. We get to the back of the house, there's 20 people in the back of the house also wanting this home. So we're the last people to leave because we'd been late. And on the way out, we hand our application to the real estate agent and she literally puts her other wad of applications down and says, 
thanks guys, I've got a good feeling about you. Come in uh, in the morning to sign up. We're like, we can't, we're going home. She's like, oh, let's not worry about that. Then just sign here now. <laughs> what? What? God's faithfulness during that time was insane. And our kids experienced it. So what we're going to do as a family is we're going to remember that time. We're going to mark those stories together because they saw the hand of God as we moved in a very chaotic time in our life. And uh, every we moved around Anzac Day and we... Uh, uh, every Anzac Day now, it's just in my phone. Remember God's faithfulness to us. And so on Anzac Day every year, we sit down and we share those stories. Remember this, guys. Remember how God stepped into our life as a family. Little things all adding up together to God's incredible provision for us. So we're going to thank God. We're going to quickly talk about it. And it's almost like our feast day. It's almost like our little Valentine you know, time of uh, remembering and um, praising God. So honour your family stories. If you are a grandparent, uncle or auntie here, your children will own your stories. Make sure that you take those opportunities to share those stories with your children. Acts 4.33 says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerful at work with them all. You know, we are all called to continually testify. God does things in our lives. Notice them and make sure you point them out to your children. The second reason that this is a, uh, this simple strategy is effective is because God brings it into the everyday. God is alive in your lives, uh, doing practical things every single day, and we can point to him all the time. Embrace the questions that your children have. It says to love God with all your heart, mind and strength. So use your mind and wrestle with the big questions that kids have. Our kids are taught in school to question everything. And it's a good thing for faith formation to question things, to go through that wrestle. So embrace that with them. You know, God says that he wants our heart. He wants to know it all. He wants us to tell him our struggles. And so when a child jumps in the car at the end of a day and they're whinging and complaining because they've had friendship problems, that is the time to take their heart, to acknowledge their problem and to pray with them. If they're having problems big or small, God invites them to, to share with him. When a three-year-old learns to turn to God when they have a problem, when they learn that God cares about them no matter what, no matter if they're going through something big or little, as a three-year-old, if they know that he delights in them, he loves them, he created them and he wants them to share everything with them, 
then that is relationship for them. And when a parent or a grandparent stops their day, when they pause and they take notice of pain and they offer to pray for a child, then that is the physical image of a parent turning their heart to a child and for children to then turn their hearts to a parent, to God together. So if we learn these things as a three-year-old and we can carry this throughout our lives, it is a lot easier as a 23-year-old to turn to God in all situations. Kids, uh, we want you to know that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you are, ha- what's happening in your life, uh, teenagers, anybody that is listening, we want you to know that God hears your prayers And you can pray anywhere at all. But sometimes it is good to have somebody pray with us. So I encourage you to go to your your mum, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your grandparents, whoever they might be, and to pray with them. Ask them to pray with you because that is what loving God with all of your heart looks like. So parents, we know that you're up against it. We know that, you know, if you're uh, parenting in 2021 in Brisbane, it is complex, it is hard. But these are simple things that we can weave into your day. And next week, we're going to talk about some other practical things that you can do in the home. So I do encourage you to come along and to just have an open heart for what God wants to say for you, for your family. Every family is different. Next week is not about layering on expectation, layering on guilt, or layering on extra things that you need to do in your home. Next week is about you coming along and being equipped to be able to weave some godly, uh, faith-forming things into your family. So what I'd like to finish on right now is to pray. I want to pray for all the parents that are either online or in this room and grandparents. And I would ask if you are one of those, can you stand if you're a parent or a grandparent? Because I would love to pray a blessing over you this morning uh, if you could do that. Please stand if you're a parent or a grandparent. Lord God, I just thank you so much for these people that are standing today. Lord, whatever we are going through, Lord, we know that you want to love us, you want to journey with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give wisdom, that you would give your discernment, Lord, to the people that are standing today, that they might take those everyday opportunities to... Uh, speak into the lives and to connect the hearts of their children with the heart of God. Lord, you are so good to us and we pray, God, for every other person that is here who also has an influence over children, whether they are teachers, whether they are leaders in our kids and youth ministries, God, whether they're uncles or aunties or neighbours, Lord, I would pray that we as a whole community would use your, these opportunities that you bring to us to connect the hearts of our children with you. We pray a blessing on all of our children, Lord. Would they seek after you? Would they know your heart of love in their lives? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.